Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. If you would like It's Not About Food podcast a week earlier and ad-free, please support me on patreon.com forward slash It's Not About Food. For more information about my books, my work, and my body love cards, you can go to my website at itsnotaboutfood.com. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food, or weight, never ever, not even, one time, not ever, ever, ever. everyone, this is Laura Lee Rourke from It's Not About Food podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to be talking about expression. And the body love card has the goddess on the front of it. She's sort of wiggling around, dancing, if you will. And her little power animal, the deer, is also dancing. And the card just shows you what expression means, you know, without using words. And in the back, the card reads, Expressing our feelings and ourselves is the only way to live our truth in our bodies, hearts, and souls. Many times we have been taught that to express our feelings is harmful to others and ourselves. But if we learn how to express our feelings Honestly and constructively, it is beneficial to everyone. And I really like this last line of that. When we honor ourselves, when we express ourselves honestly and with who we are as body, mind, and spirit, it's good for everyone. I had an old friend that used to say, if it's good for me, then it's good for my family. Then it's good for my community, then it's good for my state, then it's good for my country, then it's good for the world. That if it is really good for me, if it's honest and conscious, then it's going to ripple out from me. And I really found that to be true with my own eating disorder, with my own struggle with food and alcohol and all the different addictions I've had since I was a teenager. And every time I was able to go through it constructively and honestly, I would be able to express myself better and better, more honest, more open, more loving, more kind, more compassionately. So I'm really happy to have our guest here today. I'm Facebook friends with her (laughs) and always have loved her posts. So that's how I asked her to be on the show today and really loved the way that she expressed herself on Facebook. I would love to have everyone be introduced to my next guest, Karen. And she can tell us what she's doing in the world and how expression is working in her life and why she chose this card to talk about. 
Yeah, thanks for having me on on the pod. It's finally <laughs> nice to meet you in my person. So I love these cards, by the way. I think they're really wonderful. And I've been sharing them with my clients and, and in the group. And this card really spoke to me because I personally have felt actually a little stuck in this area. And I had a baby two and a half years ago. <laughs> and since then, I have been in this beautiful bliss of motherhood, this vortex, which is all consuming and amazing. And also, if you've been in this, in these mother's shoes, you'll know that it takes a lot of energy and, and your focus away from yourself and taking care of your own needs. And before having baby, I had a regular dance practice. I had a regular movement practice as a way of, for me personally, expressing being able to move my emotions through my body. And since then, and the pandemic, and having moved away from a lot of my community, I have lost those practices that have been important and, and, and vital for my mental health. And I just really am trying to find a way to bring these things back into my life so that I have a way of a regular outlet of expression for certain emotions that are really intense. And for me, like there are certain emotions that I feel like they can really only be expressed through the body. I don't feel like talking about it helps. I don't feel like journaling about it helps. It's through my body that it's really the only way I can get it out. So this one really jumped out at me and it makes me think about, okay, I got to really take this seriously. I mean, I take it seriously, <laughs> but the part of me is like, I want to figure a way to make time or be more intentional with it. And that's where I'm at. You sound like to me, the crazy idea of making a human with your body <laughs> and then raising that human <laughs> with all of yourself, which is what it takes, I think. And then to leave some sort of room for the expression of your own self is a daunting task. And add a worldwide pandemic, then add a war, and then add fires, just insanity over and over again. It's a wonder we're not all stark raving mad, really. But I do love what you just said, you know, of trying to find where in there can I fit? What's the best for me to, how to do this in an honest way? It's beautiful how you said that. Yeah, I appreciate the reflection. I do feel like there's a block in some ways of carving out time for this. And I'm trying right now to really look at that more closely. Yeah. And it's not that I... I need to do this. I truly want to be able to find time. And some of it is a block, but also some of it's just honest logistics. Like I don't have a lot of free time for myself in the day. My son is not in daycare. And he's actually, this is an interesting side note related to feelings is that he's a high spirited child. And he has behavior problems, meaning that he's aggressive towards other kids. Like he bites, he spits, he hits and he pitches. 
and the daycares that we went to interview. And they said, basically, he's not going to be allowed to be here. He won't be successful. And so heartbreaking. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, okay, thanks. Uh, And they sent me to the resource centers. And another coach friend of mine thought that maybe because she felt like my anger isn't being expressed in a like more deliberate, conscious, intentional, ongoing basis that my child might be picking up on my anger unconsciously and be part of that he's acting out in some ways. And I had to look at that because a part of me feels like, no, like this is separate, but we're all energetically connected. We all have cords and we're energetically connected. And I do feel that my son and I are energetically connected. And so I realized like his biting really, really makes me angry, but I'm angry about other things, right? In my life, there's a lot to be, yeah, you said, like you said earlier, there's a lot to be angry at if we really sit with all the things, right? And him biting kids and being kicked out of the gym, I lost my SHIT and I screamed at him in the car really loudly and I screamed so loudly at him that he started to cry and I was screaming don't bite don't bite biting hurts like over and over again and it felt really good for me (laughs) like that right (laughs) felt really good and then I was like "Ooh, I've heard you should you know yell at your children like this the experts say you shouldn't yell at your children but you know what he hasn't bitten since (laughs) So I'm like, you know what? That was effective. Maybe not the the most. I don't think the Dalai Lama would have. No, but the Dalai Lama doesn't have a two and a half year old that got kicked out of the gym because of. (laughs) Right, exactly. And so I wonder if my reacting is seeping out into other areas with my child. And a lot of this, I think there is some part of it's unconscious. Like we all have blind spots with parenting. Course, I've heard that. And I'm new, I'm new to parenting. So I don't, in some ways, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I don't think anybody <laughs> knows what they're doing no. with parenting. No, it's like spaghetti. We're, we're all throwing it on the wall, seeing if it sticks. <laughs> how, right. how about yeah. this? Does this work? Does yeah. this work? Yeah. I don't know I what else to do. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I feel like he definitely triggers me in, in the best way and also in the ways that I'm like, whoa, that was crazy. Should I be doing that? <laughs> so I can remember when my son was really little, he had colic. And I don't know, it seemed like it lasted for a really long time. It could have only been a month or maybe a few weeks. But at five o'clock, he would start crying inconsolably and would cry until he cried himself to sleep around nine o'clock at night. And it was hell on earth. I mean, it was horrible. And many times I walked around the block because I felt like if I stay in that little apartment with him screaming, I was going to lose it and throw myself out the window. (laughs) And then there was all the shame of, you left your crying baby by himself. But there was nothing I could do for him until, I don't know, he worked himself out of that colic. And I don't even know what that is even. But I felt like it was the best I could do. Yeah, I feel you on that. Take care of yourself. If you are at a point where you're being pushed so much that 
eventually you render yourself unavailable to that other body, that being, the best thing to do is step away and babies are safe in their little cribs. Yeah. They're going to be okay. <laughs> step outside, walk yeah. around the block. I know. Go to the, I mean, I remember going on a hike. I left my baby to go on a hike. You're not supposed to do that. And he was fine. It was a short hike. <laughs> We're just going by the seat of our pants most of the time anyway. And a lot of the childhood baby books I read were just like thrown out the window because none of that stuff was even <laughs> would work or was happening or I could even remember in the moment or just had to just go on pure. We've been having babies for hundreds of thousands of years. So I'm going to just try to remember that. And I was really young, so I shouldn't have even had a plant, much less a human <laughs> that I took care of. <laughs> I was really barely taking care of myself. But anyway, I do have to say that you have such good boundaries because when I asked you to come on here, and then I had to change it a couple of times, you were very clear. You could not do it until this time on this day. And that was that. And there was no moving you off that. (laughs) So good. You held your boundary. And that is a good thing through all of this. Yeah, I have to hold boundaries when it comes to this in particular, because my partner works from home and I only have two hours of freedom a day, which is between three and five, 530 maybe when he naps. And otherwise, I am full on taking care of Mr. Little Big Man. And (laughs) he's so awesome and adorable in spite of his aggressive behavior. (laughs) But if he were here in this interview, he'd be so cute. But he'd be crawling all over me and then he'd want to throw things. So I just know that to be fully present with this, I wanted to honor my time and things like that. Yeah. And you know, of course, that there'll be a day where they don't take a nap anymore. And that is a sad day. <laughs> that is a very sad day. I know. Yeah. All these milestones that I'm both looking forward to and both tug at my heart as well. That's true. I can remember going, God, I wish this kid could walk by himself because he's getting really heavy. And then he started running. <laughs> and then I was running after him. We want them to grow and change. And then we're like, wait, go back. So tell me, do you still have work that you do? Or are you just taking this time out completely? Or I did take some time off when he was really little, but I've been seeing clients now when he naps, usually when it was when I schedule folks, my practice is pretty small right now because of the limited time that I have. So yes, I'm seeing just a handful of people right now. And yeah, I'm mostly working with, let's say chronic dieters. Those are my people. I've been working with eating disorders for over 16 years. So I see everything under the sun pretty much. But I, the people that seem to find me are the chronic dieters and those struggling with that cycle that they want to get right now. Being a virtual private practice, so I closed my offices in Oakland and San Francisco after the pandemic and after having baby, and it seems to be going well. I definitely miss in person. I miss that. It's different. Maybe one day I'll go back, perhaps, but we'll see. Right now, it's virtual, and 
working out. Well, and you have a, a little, like you said, a little baby man. <laughs> probably man. <laughs> wouldn't be able to sit quietly in the corner and play with blocks while you saw a client. So yeah, to me, certainly the pandemic created this Zoom thing that we could see people. And I sub a group once a month for Barbara Murphy, who does a group on Saturday mornings, 10 to 12. It's called Feet to Eat. And people come to that group, they're from all over the place. So when we have talked about, should we get a you know, an office and go back to person, which we would really love to do. She would love to do it. And I'd be happy to sub that. But then we'd lose a lot of these people. Can't figure out how to do live and Zoom. I feel like that would be a little bit weird. I mean, I guess we could work it out. But so far, we're just staying on Zoom because we have these people from all over the place. Yeah, no, I, I think you could do something like a hybrid where you do like online group and then you do like an in-person, like a workshop or a weekend retreat or something like that, that would get everybody together to gather in a circle. I'm running a group right now as well with my partner, who's a yoga teacher, and we have half of our participants are on the East Coast. So that all makes it tricky, you know? Yeah, the hour change or whatever. Yeah, they're three hours ahead. Our group makes them very sleepy by the time it's over. <laughs> um, you know, it's a very, it, it, they think they end at 8.30 at night and they're tired. But yeah, that's been going well. I've been and doing some work with my yoga friend, business partner, and we're doing work around embodiment and integrating basic yoga into the practice with intuitive eating. And so great. More generally. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a yogi as well. I practiced for a really long time. Was going to yoga classes a lot more before COVID, obviously, and even taught yoga for a while, maybe 20 years ago. But that world got very body conscious somehow and was way too thin or not much diversity in body size. (laughs) Well, so Linda... She will describe herself as a plus size queer black yogi. And she is wonderful. Amazing. Her claim to fame is making a yoga accessible for all bodies. And she does a lot, works with a lot of disabilities. She works with obviously BIPOC community and the assisted yoga, chair yoga. She's recovered herself from her own eating disorder. And she brings in such a fresh perspective because I'm a smaller bodied, privileged, white, hetero Karen. And we don't need to hear us from from my identity so much these days. I mean, we do. We all have a seat at the table. I realize that. And I want to amplify and support the folks that are on the outside and they need to get them in more and partner with more. So it's been a really honor to do that. If you would like to have a weekly newsletter that has some information about recovery or what people are doing in the world or what I'm doing in the world and just information about how to recover and what to do and how do we have faith and trust and love and openness to our own selves, you can go to my website at itsnotaboutfood.com. Storygram Network.
Welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm... When you're whining with nurses. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. My name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. Storygram Network. I joined Beyond Hunger about three years ago after my own eating disorder recovery. I've been with the Peer Ed program for over a year. I have been a peer educator for a few weeks now. Beyond Hunger is an amazing organization in which high schoolers like me get to go to schools across the Bay Area and educate teens and students on mental health, body image, intuitive eating. And I joined because it really helps people. I joined the program because I believe that the information we provide people my age is very important. Beyond Hunger has allowed me to connect with the youth in my community and reaffirm to myself what I know is true. It has given me an opportunity to educate others and inform others around my age. Um, and I just think it's a really wonderful program. Because I want to teach other teens what I never learned. Appreciating your body through its ups and downs, navigating di diet culture, and learning about intuitive emotions and hunger. And I felt that it was super important to continue to make change in the community. My name is Laura Lee Rourke, and I am one of the founders of Beyond Hunger. My business partner, Carol Normandy, and I founded it in 1988. But for the last 25 years, we've been going into schools and talking about the issue of eating disorders and body hatred. We um, train young women to go in with us, peer to peer, student to student, and it is a wonderful program. Please give generously, thank you. I had the same kind of thing whenever it was that I used to teach. It was a long time ago, teach yoga. I had a yoga class and I had a co-teacher. We called it yoga for anybody. And it was three words, yoga for anybody. Four words, I guess. And we had chairs there. And if you had a wheelchair, you could bring that or your walker or whatever size and shape you came, however able it didn't matter. Everybody's in the room. We're all doing this. We're all doing sun salutations as well as we can with what we got. Yeah, it's so great. It's so powerful. I love helping people just not even look at yoga as yoga. Even that word can be intimidating. Completely. Yeah, it's just to start with just a little neck roll. How does that, <laughs> you know, because that feels really good. Pretty much anything with our breath is technically yoga, right? Exactly. One of my favorite yoga teachers used to say, if you just come here and stand here and breathe, you've right. done yoga. Exactly. <laughs> okay, I can't do that. I can't do that. Yeah, it's great. I love that. Yeah. And I loved what you said a minute ago that your practice is, is mainly, how did you put it? What chronic dieters? Yeah. And I was thinking, well, are they women in America? Because <laughs> we have a very big problem in this country with dieting. Oh, boy. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. And crazy ideas and making whole groups of food bad and terrible. And you're bad and terrible if you eat them. And it's going to make you sick. And just the judgmental, critical messages of, the diet world in this culture. I go into schools and talk about this issue with peer educators, young women that I've trained to 
have them go in and talk about and I go with them. And the amount of feedback we get is always positive, but there'll also be, yeah, but when you say intuitive eating, you don't mean that we can just eat potato chips, do you? I say, yeah, I do think you can eat potato chips, you know, if that's what your body wants. I'm not saying eating like six packs of potato chips, but that's probably not your body that's wanting that. And that's not a diet. It's a you. It's your eating pattern, you know, who you are as an eater. And it's not been that long since they were young, them that age. So they can remember a lot that when they used to could just trust their body to eat or not eat or go to sleep or pee or have some water. Yeah, it still feels like we're swimming against the current in this toxic diet culture, which is insidious. And it's so entrenched in the collective consciousness that the good food and the bad food mentality, this idea that you're a good person if you eat good foods, you're bad if you eat junk foods. And that's all couched within a framework of body consciousness and that there's Fat bodies are bad and thin bodies are good and the assumptions around that. And it's an $80 billion diet industry that profits off our shame, our collective shame. So there's these forces that we are having to really fight against because it's normal. It's normative discontent, right? It's normal to view foods in that way. It's normal to scrutinize our bodies and feel like we don't measure up to some standard. And it's not surprising. It's heartbreaking, but it's not surprising to hear that people question that, can you really eat potato chips? Is that really healthy? Is that intuitive eating? And so it's like, there's a teaching moment. And then another part of me is, I don't know if you have the same experience, but I get exhausted from diet culture, right? There's a of me that right like burnt out by diet culture and I have to really be careful of my energy around it because I love this work I'm passionate about it and a part of me is oh my god I have to educate this depending on who it is not a client but somebody out in public or a friend I'm having a conversation I'm like take a deep breath okay here I go and So true. Exhausting. It's ex- diet culture is exhausting. It and is. we as healers working in the trenches, we have to be vigilant about our energy and care of our energies and to remain in this fight, right? Because we're making progress slowly. I do feel that there's some shifts happening. Just thinking about like intuitive eating was written in the 90s. That book was written in the 90s only gained traction in the media in the last five years, 10 years, I don't know, something like that. I don't, do you feel that's more? No, it's so true. We wrote, it's not about food in the nineties. And we had that intuitive eating piece in there. It was eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full, eat what your body is asking you for. And at that time, I can remember readers, they were reading the book for Carol and I, and I don't know about this. Really? You can trust your body to do that? It's like, yeah. Have you not heard us talking since 1988 about this idea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's such a radical thing to stop dieting, especially if you're in a larger body 
or especially if you have a lot of body dysmorphia. It's like taking away like breath, you know, (laughs) water. If I don't have this, I will blow up like a giant balloon. I've heard that so many times. Like, you won't. I swear you won't. Stay with yourself. Like your little two and a half year old, I'm sure knows when he's hungry and when he's full. Can you get another bite of food in him when he's done? No, probably not. Yeah, kids are the best teachers as far as intuitive eating and bringing that back to folks. If we're born an intuitive eater and culture somewhere along the way, culture taught you to not trust your body and there was a rupture and when did that happen? And it's healing, right? It's coming back and healing that rupture. And it's incredibly difficult in a culture that there's so much discrimination around uh, weight stigma around folks with larger bodies. And no wonder why folks in larger bodies want to be smaller to escape that discrimination, to escape the stigma. And that's the reality. Yeah. When I tell like the ninth graders that we go into and we'll say something like, if you have a bigger body and you're trying to look like this person who's naturally very small and you think that's the best way to be, you got to have an eating disorder to get there. And reverse, if you're really naturally really small, but you want to be bigger because that's the culture you live in, you have to have an eating disorder to get there. So let's all just be okay with how we come to the table. (laughs) It's like fat cats don't try to shrink themselves and thin cats don't try to gain weight like the fat cats, right? The animals in nature come in in diverse sizes. It's so true. And my kitty is getting older all the time and her belly is really low And I never catch her in the mirror going, you know, I need to get a little work on this. (laughs) She's just like, cool with it all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's not even bothered with it a bit. You know, it's like, oh, I'm going to ruin my knees if I have this. No, I don't know if that's really true. You might have bad knees even if you're thin. Who knows? So I wonder if you would read the Today I Will. Today I will experiment with different ways to express my feelings when they come up. I will let myself cry, laugh, get angry, excited, or have any other feelings that arise. And I will experiment with constructive ways to express them, such as writing, drawing, walking, talking, breathing, or other ways that work for me. I love that whole, whatever you're doing, writing, talking, you know, lifting the baby up, whatever, petting a kitty, talking, whatever. And before we go, we have a little moment to, you want to say what you've got going on? Do you want to say anything about your group or can people join it? We are just actually finishing up our group, which was a 12-week group on intuitive eating embodied is the name of the group. We will probably be running another group in the fall with Linda. Otherwise, I have a private practice and it's small. I'm also doing fertility coaching, which is a new pivot for folks that 
want weight neutral fertility coaching because a lot of fertility clinics pressure clients to lose weight and that causes stress on their systems and that causes disordered eating, which is a disruptor of the endocrine system. So I have also gone through struggles with fertility and wanted to offer that support for folks who need help on what supplements to take and what should I eat to conceive and sorting through the wellness BS, which is, oh my gosh, in the fertility world, there's so much of that that I have a new offering. So I'm excited about that. I love, love, love that you're doing that. I know so many of my clients over the years have walked into that fertility, not realizing that they were going to be hit with such severe body hatred and distrust and not okayness, which is the body that the person was in. Right. Focusing on the BMI and just, oh, uh, going crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. What is your website or how do people get a hold of you? My website is mindful-nutrition.com and people can find me, Google search me my name, Karen Louise Joyner, and I'll come up. I am so honored that you were here today. So blessed to know you and see you actually. I see you on the computer because I see you on Facebook, but it's nice to see a talking one, (laughs) an interactive. So thank you very much for taking your one precious little break and talking to us today. Thank you. It was really fun to talk. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find me on all the social medias at It's Not About Food. And if you would like to get the show a week early and ad-free, you can become a member at Patreon. Search It's Not About Food podcast. Thanks so much.